reopening of China's border, possibly on the horizon, reports hinting at the easing of a major rule, the mandated five-day stay in quarantine facilities after arriving in China. This as Chinese hospitals grapple with surging patient numbers, some people reportedly getting treatment while laying on the floor. The first batch of Western-made vaccines arriving in China, but they're not for Chinese citizens. For now, only German nationals in China can access the German jabs. An update on overseas Chinese police offices. Now, a new country joins those launching investigations into the reports. And Taiwan scrambling jets to fend off a Chinese Air Force incursion. The island's ministry giving details in a statement. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Ellie Hart, in for Tiffany Meyer. Is China reopening its borders? Hong Kong media is reporting on what could be a first step. Starting January 3rd, overseas travelers to China would only need to quarantine at home for three days after arriving in the country. China's borders have been closed to most international travelers for nearly three years due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Travelers who were able to enter China had to quarantine inside designated hotels or other facilities for five days, plus three days of at-home isolation afterwards. On Wednesday, a Chinese foreign ministry spokesperson said China would provide more convenience for cross-border travelers without giving specifics. The remarks came after the press asked if Beijing planned to improve its quarantine policy for overseas travelers. If the Hong Kong report proves true, Cutting hotel quarantine would reflect the major easing of the rules and would suggest a full border reopening could be on the horizon. On the public health front, China's COVID-19 outbreak is getting more severe. Numbers of people exposed to the infection is skyrocketing and the country's medical system is grappling to respond. Let's zoom in on what's happening. Videos show hospitals overflowing. A voice saying they are all suffering severe pneumonia or respiratory failure. Elderly can be seen lying on the ground. In Chongqing Medical University Hospital, there are no more beds. Some are seen being treated on the floor. The outbreak in China is out of control, even in Beijing. A netizen posted a video in Beijing Hospital and said, have you ever seen hell? Not only are everyday citizens struggling, numbers of senior Communist Party officials are also infected. On December 20th, a netizen posted on Weibo that the wife of a former minister of electricity died in Beijing after being infected. The post includes notes from her son describing the scene when he was in the hospital. He said he almost fainted at the door. There was almost no room to place his feet, with corpses stacked horizontally and vertically. The doctor said that none of the elderly over the age of 85 admitted in the past few days returned home alive. He publicly questioned the number of deaths reported by the CCP. A similar situation was described in a video from another Beijing resident. She had to go to three different hospitals to treat her father. She said wait times were all a minimum of four hours and there was a shortage of beds. She said six people died while her dad was getting an IV. And some did not get a bed before they died. Millions are struggling to find treatment. Across many Chinese cities, pharmacies have sold out of fever and cold medicines. COVID-19 cases are surging outside Beijing too. 
Eastern China's financial hub Shanghai, the southern factory hub of Guangzhou, and the central city of Wuhan, the former epicenter of the pandemic, are all seeing rising infection rates. The first batch of Western COVID-19 vaccines arrived in China on Wednesday. The shipment contains 11,500 doses of the German-made BioNTech vaccine. Those jabs are earmarked for German nationals living in China. Though family members of other nationalities would not be included, the shipment comes after Germany agreed to make Chinese vaccines available to Chinese citizens in Germany. Germany is also pushing for foreigners other than German nationals to be allowed access to the German shot if they want it. That number is estimated at around 20,000. So far, foreigners inside China can only get Chinese-made vaccine doses. The efficacy of those jabs is thought to be over 50 percent, lower than vaccines developed in the West. Despite conflicts at the border with the Chinese Communist regime, India is ready to help supply Chinese people with fever drugs. This, according to the country's foreign ministry, India is one of the world's biggest drug makers. China hasn't publicly responded. In the past few weeks, China has been experiencing a shortage of fever and cold drugs. That's as numbers of COVID-19 infections skyrocketed in the country. On Wednesday, Beijing turned down a U.S. offer to share COVID-19 vaccines with China, saying China's medicines and virus testing kits could generally meet demand. More than 100 secret Chinese police offices found in other countries. Ireland and the Netherlands have ordered the closures of these outposts in their countries. And more than 10 countries have started investigations into the issue. Now, Japan is joining them. The country's chief cabinet secretary says Japan will take all necessary steps as it clarifies the situation. He added that Japan had sent a message to Chinese authorities, saying any activity that violated Japan's sovereignty would be unacceptable. Human rights group Safeguard Defenders has alleged that Chinese authorities have secretly established over 100 overseas police offices in 53 countries. Those include two in New York and one in Los Angeles. In its reports, Safeguard Defenders revealed that China's United Front Work Department is involved in running these police outposts. They're reportedly tasked by the Chinese Communist Party with influencing groups both inside and outside China in favor of the party. China again denied the existence of those police outposts on Thursday. Taiwanese combat jets soared into the island's southeastern air defense zone Thursday. The island's military sent them up to ward off nearly 40 percent aircraft, which had entered the zone. According to the island's defense ministry, the incursion included 21 fighters and four H-6 bombers. Early warning anti-submarine and aerial refueling aircraft also made appearances. Many of the aircraft flew over a waterway known as the Bashi Channel. From there, they moved to an area off the island's southeastern coast. The ministry added that three Chinese Navy ships were also detected near Taiwan. As for Taiwan's response, the island scrambled unspecified combat aircraft, while missile systems monitor their flight. Taiwan has repeatedly complained about Chinese Air Force flyovers in the last two years. The island's air defense zone includes Taiwanese airspace, plus an additional border around it. The military uses it to identify and respond to aircraft approaching the island. Beijing claims Taiwan as its own territory. The island is hovered by its own democratically elected leaders and constitution, and has never been ruled by the Chinese Communist Party. 
Next, we turn to some stories behind the blank paper movement happening among Chinese people. Some Chinese students in Canada shared what they describe as their awakening stories with us. From being supporters of the Chinese regime to protesters fighting against totalitarianism, here's what they had to say. Young Chinese people have largely stayed silent about the regime in past decades. But a recent fire incident in a Xinjiang neighborhood has triggered a shift. Road blockades, set up as part of local COVID-19 measures, blocked fire trucks from entering a neighborhood. Where a building had caught fire to rescue those inside. Protests across China against the country's zero COVID-19 policy followed. Because the protesters held blank sheets of paper, the movement has been dubbed the Blank Paper Revolution. Chinese nationals in other countries also held events to support the movement inside China. The Chinese-language version of NTD spoke with some Chinese students in Canada to hear about why they've chosen to stand up against the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP. Supporting the Blank Paper Revolution is something I think I have an obligation to do. I really love this country, China. I love these people. I want to protect them. I want to do something to end their suffering. I may be more concerned about certain values, such as freedom, fairness, human rights, and justice. Some protesters say they went through an awakening process. Some were among the ranks of China's so-called little pinks, a term used to describe young people who staunchly support the Chinese Communist Party. It is not a one-day issue to realize how vicious the whole system in China is. I have indeed been a relatively loyal little pink. But after getting in touch with the dark side of the Chinese Communist Party, I realized what really weighed on the Chinese people. It's the Communist Party. After this realization, Wester Yong became active in supporting freedom and democracy in China. Now he's the president of the Canada-based Assembly of Citizens, an association of students from China. Its mission is to fight, in its words, the totalitarian Chinese regime. Free internet access is playing a big role in the shift for Chinese students. After breaking through the internet blockade in China, I basically got a basic knowledge of those things the Communist Party covered up, like the June 4th Tiananmen massacre. After I came to Canada for college, I gradually started paying attention to the human rights lawyers in China. They say they hope the movement against the CCP will continue. On the road of anti-communism, no one is alone. I used to think that anti-communism was a choice, but now I think it's a responsibility. NTD News. The U.S. and the Chinese regime recently traded barbs over China's territorial disputes in the South China Sea. The U.S. State Department voiced concerns on Monday over the reported escalating swarms of Chinese vessels in the disputed water. The territory is claimed both by China and the Philippines. The State Department reiterated that the U.S. stands by the Philippines in upholding the rules-based international order. The Philippines said on Wednesday it was seriously concerned about a report of Chinese construction. That buildup is reportedly located on four uninhabited features in the disputed Spratly Islands. The country pointed out that this is against declaration from 2002. In it, China and Southeast Asian countries pledged to avoid actions on the islands that could escalate disputes. On Thursday, the Philippines ordered its military to strengthen its presence in the disputed waters. The Chinese embassy in the Philippines accused the U.S. of driving a wedge between the Philippines and China. Beijing claims the majority of South China Sea, though an international court ruled Beijing's claim unlawful. China has been trying to boost its influence in the region by building and militarizing artificial islands, as well as deploying ships there. The region is an important passageway for international trade. Trillions of dollars worth of trade passes through the region annually.
and about 40% of all natural gas traded globally passes through the waters. Chinese infiltration in the U.S. Experts say Beijing's influence efforts involve people in positions of power. We sat down with Sam Fettis, retired CIA officer and senior fellow at the Center for Security Policy, to find out more. Here's his take on how the Twitter files about the Biden family reveal major concerns happening on home soil. The Chinese Communist Party engages in a practice of elite capture. They put an immense amount of energy and, and incredible numbers of resources into uh, targeting countries that are important to them. We'd be at the top of that list and turning the elite in those countries to their will. This is not science fiction. This is all day, every day on an industrial scale. They have made a lot of progress in that regard in the United States, as sad as that is. We have a lot of people in positions of power that in one way or the other now are inclined to help Beijing against the interests of Washington, D.C. And uh, that is sick and it's horrifying to say, and yet that's, that's reality. That's where we are. And Sam, how do we defend against that, seeing as what the Twitter files seem to show is this lack of free speech happening in America? How do we then defend against an adversary that has captured our elite? Well, look, to start with, we have to say out loud what, what I'm saying now, okay? Elite capture is not an unknown concept. You can go online and research this and find that the American intelligence community talks about this and defines this and recognizes it. You've got a guy running for president in terms of Joe Biden in 2019, who has taken tens of millions of dollars from people with direct connections to the CCP and Chinese intelligence. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, this is a big problem and we should probably get to the bottom of this because maybe these guys are buying themselves the Oval Office. Um, and yet our number one counterintelligence agency, the FBI, has acted for three years now like it can't see this, like it's not obvious that this should have been a critical burning priority to investigate. You shouldn't have been burying it. You should have been saying, good Lord, is it possible we might be having a guy sit down in the Oval Office who answers to Xi Jinping? Because if so, we better find out right now. And instead, they've gone the other direction. So first step, let's just talk about it and recognize it and, and do our jobs. Let's find out what did and did not happen. Coming up, a closer look at what's happening with the Twitter files. And an expert shares how economic entanglement plays into the U.S.-China competition. If you really want to get to the heart of the issue here, we made a strategic decision decades ago now to become economically entangled with a totalitarian communist state, right? Think about our confrontation with the Soviet Union. Did we ever contemplate for a second climbing in bed with Stalin's Soviet Union? Or we would have never considered such a thing, right? And yet we made that decision, and that's the heart of the issue. We spoke to Sam Fattis, retired CIA officer, to find out more. That's coming after the break, here in China in Focus.
Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Ellie Hart, and for Tiffany Meyer. A new session of Congress is coming to Capitol Hill. Will it impact where the Twitter files are going? We spoke to Sam Faddis, retired CIA officer, for more information, and about why he believed the Chinese Communist Party could be the first ever to defeat the U.S. in a kinetic war. And Sam, on that note, with the new Congress coming in in January, do you see any steps being taken in that direction, or where do you see this going? Well, there are definitely going to be positive steps, right? We're going to have hearings. We're going to have a House under Republican control. The question, and this on every American's mind, is, okay, will anything actually happen after the hearings are done and the theatrics and the speeches? Is anybody going to jail here? Will there be any, any res will there be a result? And this, I think, is the, the unanswered question, right? Is Do we still have accountability? Or is this all, at the end of the day, we're going to sweep it under the rug? We don't know the answer yet. And Sam, it seems President Biden has just started this thing called the China House, and I think it's being led by Rep Gallagher. So with this kind of focus on China, what steps do you see happening there? Is Are we going to see change? No. The China House is... <laughs> is more typical Washington theater, right? They've given a new name to a section in the Department of State, which I think has a grand total of 70 people working in it. Okay, we changed a name and an office symbol. That's all we did. Meanwhile, the same president who wants you to focus on this shut down Donald Trump's China initiative, which was focused on rooting out Chinese intelligence officers and stopping them from stealing everything that's not nailed down in the United States. So the first thing Joe did when he walked in the Oval Office was shut down this initiative to get control of Chinese intelligence. And now we're supposed to think that 70 people sitting in an office in the Department of State will make a difference. No, it's meaningless. It's, it's window dressing. It's all theater for PR. And Sam, zooming out to the national security implications, what does this mean for the average American? How is this impacting their life? Let's be clear, right? We're not talking about the Chinese people. We're talking about the Chinese Communist Party. It's an existential threat to the United States. They intend to supplant us as the dominant military, political, and economic power on the planet. They are well down the road. And one of the ways they're doing that is by buying huge numbers of Americans in a whole variety of ways to work for them. Again, some of those are formal assets. Some of those are just folks who are making a lot of money from doing business in China and therefore don't want to rock the boat. They run the gamut. And part of the hard part, part of the, the challenge here is that if you want to start going through the top people in both political parties, both major political parties, you're going to find a lot of them on both sides of the aisle up to their eyeballs and contacts with the CCP. A lot of them on both sides do not want to rock this boat because they're getting rich off of it. Sam, speaking of that, it seems we are seeing that in terms of, say, lobbyists for Huawei or TikTok. They come from both parties, like Trump's and Biden's. So how how can the average American try and protect their own country then? What can, be, what can be done? Well, what they have to demand is they have to demand concrete action. This probably applies to every issue, right? When back to the China initiative, the Chinese are running rampant 
in our universities and corporations stealing the high technology that we rely upon to give us a military advantage to win a future war. They are robbing us blind. The very first thing this administration did was shut down our efforts to get control of that and cut and basically turn them loose to loot the place again. Now, how many, just an average American, how many senators of both parties have you heard discuss that since Joe Biden sat down? How many of them are screaming bloody murder about? Almost none. They're acting like they can't see it and they can't have it. So back to the American people, you got to demand action. This isn't about rhetoric. This is about what you're going to do for us. You've got to change something or we're going to turn around. Look, we're going to turn around and lose a war to the communist Chinese. Speaking of the potential kinetic war, it seems the Chinese regime has already been at war with us through other means, right? Cyber, legal, warfare, all these different types. So is there anything we can do now? What are the steps to make sure we don't lose this next war? Well, listen, I think if you if you really want to get to the heart of the issue here, we made a strategic decision decades ago now to become economically entangled with a totalitarian communist state, right? Think about our confrontation with the Soviet Union. Did we ever contemplate for a second climbing in bed with Stalin's Soviet Union or we would have never considered such a thing, right? And yet we made that decision and that's the heart of the issue, right? If you really wanna get back to it, you cannot keep enriching the Chinese Communist Party. And Sam, given the economic and financial entanglements, what would that look like then to solve that? Is it complete decoupling or what are the steps there? It's pretty close to complete decoupling. Now, is it possible for the United States of America to announce tomorrow we are decoupling from communist China after decades without dire economic repercussions? Obviously not. You can't do that. We are not in a position to do that. What you could do is make a strategic decision that we are moving away from this relationship. And then in stages over a course of years, you could begin to decouple. Some of that industry will come home. Some of it will go to friendly nations that do not pose a threat to us. In the end, maybe it doesn't mean we don't buy anything from communist China, but it certainly means that we throttle dramatically back on the relationship. Now, think of all the Americans who are making billions of dollars a year off of the current status quo. Every one of those entities, starting with people like Amazon, will, of course, <laughs> say there's no way we want to go down this road because we're making more money than God off of dealing with the Chinese communists. So they will fight tooth and nail. But look, I think the average American, honestly, as a matter of common sense, understands this thing is not working to our long-term advantage. We're ultimately going to lose if we keep on this course. And Sam, given everything that's at stake, not just for the American people, but also the Chinese people, any last words you'd like to add? Well, look, for both of them, for the Americans and the Chinese, it is critical that we recognize this and make the decisions because the, the lie that we were making the Chinese people freer and leading to democratization by going down this road should be evident to everybody. All we did was make the CCP much more powerful, 
much more capable of building now a high-tech prison camp for 1.4 billion people. So we're not helping anybody by doing what we're doing now. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you. Thank you. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Ellie Hart, in for Tiffany Meyer. Before you go, we have an announcement about our December 15th show. We sat down with Brad Good, an American businessman, to hear about his first-hand experiences from China since 1988, and to talk about his project, the China Declaration, a global push to end the Chinese Communist Party. During that episode, an incorrect website was shown on screen. The correct website where you can go to sign the declaration is thechinadeclaration.com. We regret the error, 